And now, coming at you from the Five Star Physique Studio in Knoxville, Tennessee, this is The Drop Set with your host, Darren Starr. Good morning, folks, and happy Friday. Um, so here it is. We are going to tackle part two of our How to Be Your Own Coach series today, and we're going to skip a lot of the um, a lot of the fluff and nonsense that uh, often accompanies the start of these episodes because, uh, let's be honest, I know you all don't care. <laughs> <laughs> and that that is okay. That is okay. Um, I'm not going to lose any sleep over that. Uh, I'm Darren Starr. I'm your host. You probably know that, but if you don't, hi. It's good to have you here for the first time. Um, so on Monday, we talked about uh, how to be your own coach, and it came from a, uh, a voicemail question from uh, listener Aaron. Who said, you know, you know, how, how do you do it? How do you coach yourself towards a show, basically? And so I started talking, and I realized as I was getting onto it, like this is going to be a two-parter because um, this is a big question. So the first episode on Monday, the first part of it, we really just dived into, dove into, dove, dove, dove into, um, boy. Any grammar police out there, just stay at home today, please. I, it's early. Um, I'm, I'm doing this before 9 o'clock in the morning because I got a lot of stuff I got to knock out today. So, okay, I'm going to detour here ever so slightly. So just to recap here, um, today is day, what, one, two, three, four. I could do that on one hand. Four. I counted to four. Day four of my break from the gym. And it will end up totaling about eight days. So Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday is Christmas back on Wednesday. So yeah, four of eight. So today is the halfway point. Or I guess between today and tomorrow is the halfway point. Um, so out of the gym, focusing on other stuff. So uh, if you are an avid listener, then you know that my, my typical schedule for the week is Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday is when I've got most of my client check-in scheduled. Monday and Friday, those are podcast days, administrative days. And just a little bit of catch up here and there. So um, I'm leaving the administrative work pretty much out of it. Like I'm not doing a whole lot on social media this week. I'm not doing a whole lot of writing. I'm taking more time just to chill out, recover, uh, you know, take a little bit of a holiday break, I guess, even though I'm not going. It's not much of a holiday break if you're still putting in what's really like, you know, you're still getting all of the work done that you've got to do. So uh, but nonetheless, here we are. So uh what that means is uh, I have already for the day wrapped up most of my check-ins. Um, I've got some people who are late, um, some people who are late from yesterday. Still waiting on a couple people from Tuesday. Uh, it's been a bad week for people being on time with check-ins. Just so you know, Santa is working on that naughty and nice list. And if you're still on my calendar from earlier in this week, you are on the naughty list. So you will be getting extra cardio in your stocking. So just be on the lookout for that. And you don't have to send me your check-in in order. For, I'll, I will just preemptively send you, here's your update. I don't know what's going on, but here's your update. And here's some more cardio. Get on it. Um, but yeah, so today is day four of my break. So I'm focusing on some other stuff, some relaxing stuff. We had band practice last night. I started working on reconditioning an old roll top desk yesterday. Um, I'm going to be, uh, folk, uh, starting work today on building a, uh, drop zone, um, for, by our front door upstairs. Um, cause currently, you know, our house is kind of weird. It doesn't have a coat closet, so we don't have any place to hang coats. <laughs> and um, so we just like hang it, like throw it on a chair, et cetera. So I'm going to build a drop zone that has um, a coat rack, et cetera, and it just looks nice and decorative as well. So that's going to be something that I start today. And then this weekend, depending on how that project goes, I may get started on our, our uh, king bed frame with a headboard and footboard and storage. So um, a lot of projects in the works here. 
focusing on a little bit of that, a little bit less of the optional stuff for work. Um, I do have a whole bunch of website stuff to get through. Um, I had a uh, call with my um, marketing slash search engine optimization specialist yesterday, kind of walking me through stuff that needs to be done. I'm going to do it rather than pay her to do it. So she was, it was really more of a training call telling me what to do. So that's, that's on my agenda. I've got to do that, but that's, that's going to, I've took notes and that's going to sit for a little while. So, um, we'll work on that next week. So today is going to be kind of an easy day. I just got to record this stuff and then I'm going to go eat some pancakes and then I'm going to go run some errands and pick up a couple things and get a haircut. Life is good. So anyway, there you go. There's, there's the, the update for me for the week. So, um, Part one of this how to be your own coach thing ended up being a lot about logistics, like how to pick the show, schedule appointments, you know, suit selection, um, all that kind of stuff. So I wanted to dig in part two a little bit and go over some technical stuff, like the actual process of getting yourself ready for the show. Um, so again, by its very nature, this is going to have to be a general conversation, but I did use the um, analogy last um, episode on Monday of having a coach versus being your own coach. And I said that having a coach is like having a GPS where you get turn by turn directions uh, every now and then, oh, we take a wrong turn. We've got to recalculate the route. You know, maybe you end up going through a dicey neighborhood or getting stuck in some traffic, but you get to your destination. Um, versus being your own coach is like having a star chart and a sextant on a boat in the middle of the ocean and a book that tells you how to use those things to navigate your way there. But the book doesn't have a binder. It's just a bunch of loose pages that don't have page numbers. So you've got to read the book. You've got to say, Oh, this page goes here. Okay. Now I can clip it together. Now I can learn how to do this. Now I can take myself there. Um, and I, I say that again, just because first of all, I, I am way too proud of that analogy and just how accurate and precise it is for this process. So I will probably continue to use that. I may just, you know, open every episode with that just because I feel like that is a master stroke as far as analogies are concerned. So I'm going to toot my own horn just a little bit right there. I'm a little too proud. Um, okay, I'm going to move on now. I'm, I have officially uh, thrown out my shoulder, patting myself on the back. So we're going to move on from that. So the technical aspect of things, though, I mean, it's just so individual. Like I can tell you, um, and I did tell you, I've got a blog post, you know, my 2018 photo shoot prep by the numbers. Go to fivestarphysique.com, click on blog from the menu, scroll down until you see that. The thumbnail looks like a spreadsheet. Uh, and you can see and read everything that I did for my photo shoot prep for 16 weeks. Um, how many meals I missed, how many days off I had on my macros, what my macros were for the whole thing, where they started, where they ended, how much cardio I did, all that stuff. So you can see all that. And you could, if you were just like me, six foot, 220 pounds, uh, 40 years old, you could do that exact same thing and it might work okay for you. It might work horribly for you. It just, you, there's so many individual factors to consider. What are they? They're everything that makes us people. So I don't want to, I mean, yeah, age, height, weight, gender, body composition, experience, dieting history, metabolic health, all those things play into it. Body type, um, you know, uh, insulin sensitivity, how your body responds to, you know, just generally like how big is your motor? You know, how fast do you run generally in life? Do you kind of, um, 
Uh, do, do you kind of do everything a little bit slow? Do you need to take naps? Do you sleep a lot? Or are you somebody who is go, go, go all the time? You sleep four hours a night. You feel really rested after that. Um, you know, everybody's different. And those people, the, those two hypothetical people that I just outlined right there, they're going to have very, very, very different preps. Very different. And so that's a, a big thing. And um, so big picture, let's talk concepts here. And so this is, um, by its very nature, this is going to be a little frustrating to listen to if you're if you're looking for some useful information here, um, because this is the book on how to use the sextant to read the star charts. Um, it, th this is the book, and what I'm doing is kind of telling you what the chapters are, and then you can you still have to put the pages in order and read the book, and then figure out how to do it. So, um, I'm my goal here is just to kind of get you started and on going down the right path. So. Um, what it comes down to, people say, well, fat loss is all about calories in versus calories out. Gross oversimplification. Um, but what it is, is it is about managing that differential between intake and expenditure. Um, and so yeah, the, the, don't try to rely on a formula. You know, I mean, the, the first thing to do before you can even think about jumping into prep is to get an idea of about what your, your maintenance levels are for calories. So you can, uh, and you know, does that take a long time? No. Does it take a little bit of precision and a little bit of willpower? Yeah, it does. Um, so you can start with a calculator online and say, okay, I am this age, uh, this gender, this tall, this is my body composition. This is my activity level. If you find a, a, a a TDEE calculator, total daily energy expenditure calculator that doesn't factor in your activity level, like what is your job, how often do you work out, at what intensity, uh, skip it and move on, find something else. It's so critical. So um, one of the things that I ask in my assessment form is what's your occupation? Just because I want to know, like, are you on your feet all the time or are you sitting down all day long? It makes a big difference. So you can start with that here, here, okay, here's my um, total daily energy expenditure. And if you find a good calculator that may give you a, a macro breakdown, depending on what your goal is. And, you know, for bodybuilders, what you should always say your goal is, is to build muscle. So um, that's going to impact, it's going to give you a macronutrient ratio that's skewed towards protein, which, you know, when you, we compare what we do versus what the average population does, yes, we do always universally need a higher protein diet, meaning, you know, you could find a, a diet for a typical female whose goal is not building muscle and 60 grams of protein per day might be totally appropriate. If you're a bodybuilder, it is not appropriate. It is not going to get you where you need to go. Um, so start with that. Hit those targets. Hit hit those numbers. Um, construct a meal plan around those targets using um, you know flexible dieting um, principles and philosophy, um, and just you know see what those numbers do for you and track your weight, track how you feel, and see how things change. Give yourself a little time. If you are newer at this, understand that your body is going to be doing some changes. Um, you know, potentially good, probably. You know, as you start getting into the groove of of lifting and following a more precise diet. You'll see some changes that, you know, even though you may be at, you know, what, what would probably be considered to be like maintenance levels, you may see a lot of changes right off the bat. Um, the scale may do some wild things. You got to give it a little bit of time to, to settle down and chill out. Um, be mindful of how you feel. If your stomach feels off, um, you know, maybe the, the food ratios aren't quite where they need to be. Uh, maybe you've got some food selection that is not ideal. Um, but give yourself a little bit of time. Like I would say, you know, 
barring anything really unusual. Like if you start on a set of numbers, a meal plan built around a set of numbers, and you just feel like crap, like you're stuffing your face like a manic, crazy person all day long, and you just feel gross and heavy and bloated and slow, um, dial it back, you know. Uh, <laughs> if you feel like, oh, this feels a little different, Okay, well, different's probably good. Different's probably what you need. Just because it's not what you're used to doesn't mean it's bad. Um, you will know if it's bad. Um, so just think about that. But assuming it's not bad, give it, I would say, two weeks. Track the scale numbers a little bit. Take some photos. Look at things and see like, okay, am I maintaining? And am I growing? Am I gaining body fat? Am I losing body fat? Am I gaining muscle? Uh, you shouldn't be losing muscle or anything like that, hopefully, um, especially if you're, if you're lifting with appropriate intensity. So... Do that to kind of try and dial in on a general idea of what your maintenance level is. So if you're gaining like a few tenths of a pound um, over the course of a week, I would say, and you've got to understand there's going to be fluctuations in there. So just look at the average. And, you know, that's why we do two weeks. So you can average out one week, then you can average out the next week. You can draw a trend line there if you want to get crazy and do a graph in Excel. And you can see like, okay, it, it might be trending up really slowly, but it's it's staying pretty much the same. You can say, all right, I'm in the ballpark of maintenance right here. This is about where I need to be. So then let's say, um, let me pull up a spreadsheet here and let me just, um, <laughs> let's see, who do we pull up? Well, let's, uh, I'm just going to take somebody's plan here and just start to destroy it and pilfer it and plug in all kinds of nonsense numbers. I just need to remember not to save this. So let's say, you are a 140-pound woman. Um, you've been at this for a little while. You've got a, a few years of lifting experience behind you. Um, you, you. You know what you're doing. You haven't competed before, but you've got a sense of, you know, okay, I, I, I think I've got it dialed in here. And so you, you plug in your macros at, let's say, 140 grams of protein. Let's say you dial in 180 grams of carbs. We're assuming 25 grams of fiber in there. And then you give yourself 70 grams of fats as well. So that's 1,800 calories, okay? Um, now, I, I would know just by, you know, if, if I plug the variables for this hypothetical person into a typical macronutrient, you know, TDEE calculator, um, it would probably say that um, your overall expenditure is higher than this. But you might notice like, well, actually my weight tends to climb up a little bit on this. Um, and, you know, a little bit like, you know, a few tenths over the course of a week or two. Okay, that, that's roughly maintenance. So we can say right here, this is roughly maintenance. This is reality. This is not, you know, uh, formulated from a calculator online. This is not in theoretical space or anything like that. This is reality. This is about where we are uh, maintaining. So this is what matters. It doesn't matter what some calculator says should be your maintenance levels. Um, cause that is theory. This is reality. Um, and you know, it, it is your life history that has led you to this point where, um, you know, th this is your maintenance level. So whatever you have done with your diet, your, your activity level throughout the rest of your life, those all play into developing your metabolic history, which is where reality starts to deviate from the hypothetical numbers spit out by those calculators. So, and the, the older you are and the more crazy stuff you put your body through, like yo-yo dieting, you know, aggressive um, diets, overeating phases, etc. Um, you know, the, the more of that base metabolic capital you will have spent throughout your life. So you will find that your maintenance levels are 
probably, given all that, going to be lower than they would be otherwise. So, uh, and the more extreme you've been throughout your life, the lower and lower it will get. So, um, and all that serves to, to make, you know, competing difficult. And that's what metabolic damage is. So, um, it is repairable. Um, but I tell you, and, and I say this with, with brutal honesty, um, it, it is hard enough to repair metabolic damage that most people just can't do it. Um, because it requires a lot of patience and it's a boring process and it requires a lot of precision and a lot of willpower. And, um, you know, most people just aren't, aren't cut out for that. I would say repairing metabolic damage is probably harder than contest prep. Um, just because you are basically bringing a contest prep mentality towards maintenance and not seeing massive changes in your physique can be really, really difficult. It can test anybody's patience. So um, now that is not to say it can't be done. It absolutely can. I've done it with a lot of people, um, but um, I've also failed with a lot of people, full disclosure, because they just can't do it. It's hard and they give up. Um, so just be, be mindful of that and the possibility of that, what it means, et cetera. So um, so let's say our, our maintenance numbers here are 140, 180, 70. We're roughly maintaining on this. So then you might say, okay, well, how do we go about adjusting things then? If we want to go from maintenance and we're going to give ourselves some time, and how do we go into a cut? Well, the first thing you need to do is a little bit of math. Um, sorry. Yeah, I know. you got to have an idea of where your weight needs to end up so that you can uh, figure out an average rate of loss per week. And then that will kind of, um, what that's going to do is give you a very, very slow, not terribly reliable, and maybe kind of inaccurate GPS that you can use to help navigate these star charts. So um, that's not the best analogy. I'm not as proud of that one. Um, but you get the idea. Like, that's going to help... Uh, here, it's not a star chart. It's an actual map. There you go. So, uh, but you still got to know how to read the map. You've got to be able to know which way is up, et cetera. So, um, that'll, that'll help you determine, um, how, uh, how aggressively you need to be pushing things if you're ahead of schedule behind schedule. Um, but the question is, how do you know what that number is? And, uh, the best way to know what that number is, is to compete know where you ended up as far as what your stage weight was, and then say, was that lean enough or not? And if it wasn't, how much leaner do you think you had to be? Four pounds leaner, five pounds leaner? Okay, cool. That's the new target then. Whatever your stage weight was minus however many more pounds you feel like you needed to lose. Like for my photo shoot and where I ended up, um, I was right around 200. To get on stage, I probably would have needed to be at about 190-ish. So that gives me an idea going forward um, how, uh, you know, first of all, maybe I'd want to start out a little bit leaner than I did that time. Um, and, and then just have an idea like, okay, this I'm halfway through. So this is where I need to be on the scale roughly. Now, if you haven't competed before, that's where it gets tricky. So you can use all kinds of, um, tools to estimate your body fat percentage, but they're all estimates. Um, <coughs> there was a, uh, another voice note that I got this week that was, um, kind of echoing what I said, um, from, previous episodes about, um, measuring body fat percentage. I'll, I'll bring that in. Um, well, actually, you know what? <laughs> I, I'm the producer of the show. I'm going to bring it in right now. We're going to play that. Hold on a second. Let's hear it. Hey Darren, it's Aaron Covey from Oklahoma. And um, so I was just listening to, um, 
one of the episodes, and someone had called in was asking about the validity of the DEXA scan and other tests like that. Um, I don't know if since then, if someone has told you, I do happen to know actually um, the validity on these. Uh, my degree is in kinesiology, and so we did a lot of research and lab reports with the uh, with different body fat measurement scans. Um, so the typical like BIA handheld body fat thing that has usually a like plus or minus five percent range, so not very good. The same. Um, roughly the same with like the body fat scale that you step on or the tanitas. And then the skinfold calipers, as long as the person who is doing them has had lots and lots of practice, typically they are about two to three, or plus or minus two to three percent. And again, depending on how much the person, the trainer has used them and has practiced doing it. Um, typically with those, the um, the typical thing you do is take that, take the measurement three times and take the average of it just in case. And then the DEXA scan, it has a plus or minus 1% range. Um, and so the DEXA is the most um, effective one. However, like you said in your, um, in your questioning answer thing. And um, it is a little harder to get those done. Um, I just thought I'd, you know, share that with you and others. So if ever in the future they want to do that, they know which ones are the best to go for. Thanks. Bye. Okay, thanks, Aaron. Much appreciated. So um, there you go, straight from somebody with a little bit more uh, direct hands-on experience. I echo a lot of that, like the bioimpedance scales. Those things are fairly worthless, and I usually say those are about plus or minus five percent. Um, and it may be wider than that, just because there is a lot of potential user error there. Those are very dependent on how well hydrated you are. So um, if you follow the rules, they're probably like plus or minus three to five percent. If you don't follow the rules, all bets are off. Um, I've had one of those tell me that I was 27% body fat before when I was probably closer to 14. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't trust those calipers. Absolutely skill dependent. Um, and the problem there is you get somebody who is skilled and knows what they are doing and they're taking a good solid measurement. They are still taking a measurement and then plugging that into a form I'm sorry, a formula that uh, estimates your body density. And that body density number is then plugged into another formula that estimates your body fat percentage. So you're taking a, an estimate of an estimate of measurements that may or may not have been taken with a high degree of skill. So um, for that reason, I, I find those to be the least reliable because, again, I'm an online coach. I'm not measuring my clients in person. I don't know who is. I'm never going to trust numbers that are taken by somebody else because I don't know who that person is. Um, so the, the measurer the skill of that measurer is everything. So, um, and then, uh, one thing that I, I don't think Aaron mentioned there, um, was hydrostatic Wayne. And I have been very, very skeptical of hydrostatic Wayne ever since there was a, uh, somebody that I knew back in Oregon, who is a competitor who, um, she got dunked before a show. I, I say that hydrostatic Wayne is where you actually go in the water tank. Um, it uses, um, concepts similar to a bod pod or an in body. Um, so 
you you get dunked and then it again it's you know it's displacement so it's figuring out your body density from there um now to be clear she was lean but she came out of that and said that she was 3.47 percent body fat i'm like honey you might be eight or nine percent it's still really lean you aren't even close to being in the ballpark of where that thing had you so um i know just from that that those things can be inaccurate, and so therefore I don't I don't trust those things either. Dexa scan it is the most reliable, um, plus or minus one percent. I know they say that. I don't know if that. I mean, Aaron, if you say that that's your experience, I'll take your word for it. I I have not personally done a Dexa scan before. I've seen printouts from them, and I've seen um, you know and printouts from people that you know I see their progress pics as well, and I just kind of look at it. I'm like, yeah, maybe. Uh, I don't know. I've never seen one. Well, I mean, I have seen some because, you know, you've got margin of error. They're all going to be wrong. So I certainly have seen some where I'm like, yep, that looks right. And I've seen some where I'm like, eh, I don't know about that. The problem is um, cost. So you can always, you know, your gym will always have a bod pod. They'll let you get in it for free once or something like that to check it out. Um, a DEXA scan, um, typically you're going to have to go to an imaging center for those which can be difficult to find, can be difficult to make an appointment, can be difficult to get in. You're going to have to pay for it somewhere between $1 and $300 probably. Your insurance is not going to cover that unless you've got way better insurance than the rest of us. Um, so it's an out-of-pocket expense um, that's not really worth it, I don't think, unless you've got more dollars than cents, as the saying goes. So um, so the the first thing that that you've got to do is figure out you know where are you going to be on stage so let's say our our hypothetical 140 pound woman here um, she's going to ballpark it for the first time and say well I'd like to get up on stage at 124 um, I'm going to do a 16 week cut I've got 16 pounds I want to lose and you know that's a pound a week that should be doable and you know what here's the thing you're coaching yourself if it's your first show. It's not do or die. You know, if you don't get up there and have striated glutes, it's not like you're going to get laughed off the stage. So um, set a target like that, and you can absolutely just pull a number out of your ass. Now, if you were 140 pounds and you thought that for some reason it was going to be a good idea to get up on stage at 108 pounds, I might call a timeout there and have a quick heart-to-heart -heart with you and say, no, no. I mean, unless you're, you know, four foot 11 and, you know, basically obese at 140 pounds, like, no, 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 no. We're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. So body composition plays into it as well. You've got to have, you've got to have to be able to make a generalization on how much body fat you've got, how much muscle you've got, how many extra pounds you think you're holding on to. And you can use something like a bioimpedance scale, one that you step on or a handheld that might kind of put you in the right ballpark, and then you can run the math on that and say, okay, well, let's let's run the math on this. Let's say we're 140 pounds, so I'm just going to make up some numbers here, and my 124 number may end up getting shot all to hell. And let's say we get up, uh, we we uh, look at, it and it says we're 21% body fat at 140 pounds. So 21% body fat means that we are 79% fat-free mass. So then we multiply that by 0.79. And we say, okay, we're 111 pounds of fat-free mass. So um, if we're 111 pounds of fat-free mass, then um, that means that we're holding, we'll, we'll say 110 just to make it easy here. Um, so we're holding on to about 30 pounds of, of body fat. So what we're looking to do if we get down to you know, about 124, 125 is losing half of that. Okay, cool. So now if we are 
um, oh, this is going to be some creative math here. Let's say 111 divided by 125. Is that where we want? Yeah, so that puts us at about 12%. Um, 11, 12%, which, you know, that is a very reasonable target, especially for a first show. It might be hard to hit that. Um, what you'll find is that, you know, the more you compete and the more you get your body into this conditioning, the easier it is to kind of push the envelope and get a little bit deeper into it each time. So if you can target 11 or 12% and just run the math and come up with some numbers like this, um, you just with some very basic calculations, understanding the margin of error is, you know, it, it's pretty significant here and not to be discounted. Um, this can get you started and just do a quick double check and see um, if you're in the right ballpark. And so I would say in this case, yeah, I mean, we're, we want to target 124. Um, that has us losing 16 pounds over 16 weeks. That's going to drop us in at somewhere between 11 and 12% body fat. That's pretty good. That's a good target. Okay, cool. So then how do we how do we do that? How do we get those um, numbers? What do we change first? What do we dial in first? And this is where um, there, there's a lot of experimentation that's involved. Um, so it's a combination of diet and cardio. Um, your schedule may dictate a lot. Like if you don't have a whole lot of time for a whole lot of cardio, first of all, I would say maybe reconsider if competing is right for you because cardio is going to be a factor here. Okay. So you've got to be able to make the time for it. You don't have to clear two hours a day out of your schedule for cardio. You will need to clear some. So just know that going into it. Um, so how much cardio do we want to do? Keep in mind that cardio, uh, excessive cardio can also lead to muscle wasting. So we've got to do some, boy, we don't want to do a ton. We don't want to do a ton. If you start off with 30 minute sessions and hit four or five of those a week, that's good. That is a good basic level. And then what I would do um, is, especially if you're going from nothing. So if, if we found your maintenance calories here, um, another thing that we should have covered there is that there's maintenance cardio that goes in with that. So like my maintenance level might be these macros with two 30-minute cardio sessions a week. Okay, cool. So let's change that to five cardio sessions a week, 30 minutes, not looking to kill you or anything like that. And let's just shave a little bit off these numbers here. Like we were at 140, 180, 70. Let's make it 140, 160, 70. So we've lost 80 calories. Not a big deal. We're still at 1,730. We've brought up our cardio a little bit. And now we execute, we monitor, we evaluate, we adjust. That's what we do. Execute, monitor, evaluate, adjust. Um, so people get really caught up on the execution. And if you have a coach, the execution is really the only thing you need to worry about. Your coach does the other three. Monitor, evaluate, adjust. Um, so then you need to track variables. What's your weight doing? Tra track how your energy is, is progressing. Um, track your um, water intake or just you know make sure that you're consistent with your water intake. Track your sleep. Um, are you getting good sleep? Are you really short? Is it impacting your stress levels as well? If you start to see some weird fluctuations in your weigh-in numbers, those are the areas where I'm going to look, like hormonal fluctuations, pre-cycle um, for women, um, uh, fluctuations in stress, if your stress peaks, um, uh, changes in water intake, if you have a day where you really high, really low water intake, um, if your meal timing is off, if you end up backloading a lot of nutrients later in the day, um, that can cause a spike in the scale the next day. Not a problem, worth noting, um, just so that you don't freak out about it. 
um, changes in sodium, all of those things. So that's why I always tell people that, you know, we're not going to overreact to any one weigh-in number that we see, which is why it's valuable to collect a bunch of them. So, you know, I'm a big fan of daily weigh-ins as long as you can um, collect those and monitor them and track them without getting neurotic about it. You know, you're looking for trends. You're not looking for specific numbers. And so a lot of people will say the scale isn't moving. I'm like, what are you talking about? It's gone down three pounds in two weeks. It hasn't moved in the last two or three days. It's been steady. That's fine. It, it does that sometimes. Not a big deal. Um, and then some people will say, you know, the scale isn't moving. And it's like, yeah, we've been at the same spot for two weeks here. And I don't see anything changing either. So you need to take photos and evaluate things because there will be times especially if you're on cycle, it's worth noting here. Like if you are on some kind of uh, drug cycle, then it is very common that you will see some changes in body composition while the scale holds steady or maybe, maybe even as it climbs up. Um, pretty good thing. If you're watching social media and you're seeing people talk about, oh, yeah, yeah, the scale's staying the same, but I'm really leaning out. I'm like, okay, they are not a natural then because that's not how a natural body works. <laughs> So, uh, that's always a big red flag. So watch for that. You're welcome. Um, so, uh, make, make adjustments in small increments. Like if <laughs> what you don't want to do and, and where people get into trouble is if they get a little impulsive, they're a little impatient and they've been at the same, um, scale number for like three days in a row. And then, uh, they just say, I'm going to cut my carbs in half. Screw this. I'm going to start doing cardio every day. And then that's some post-workout cardio. It's like, you are going to paint yourself into a corner. So just remember it's 16 weeks. Give yourself room so that if you need to, you've got some kind of an adjustment that you can make for all 16 of those weeks, as far as dialing the intensity up a little bit, another little turn of the screw to, to bring the tension up just a little bit higher. That's got to be the goal. So other tactics that you can use, um, refeeds and carb cycling, big fan of that. So, um, this means, uh, days where usually with a refeed, we're talking mostly about carbs. We're not going to adjust protein or fats too much on those days. You can a little bit, but that gets into micromanagement territory and isn't necessarily always helpful, especially if you're doing this yourself. So focus on the thing that really matters, which is the carb intake. So, um, instead of 160 grams, so let's say we made our adjustment here and we're at 160 grams. Um, so let's, uh, let's bust out the calculator again and let's say, okay, so 160 times seven is 1,120 grams of carbs per week. So now I'm taking my, uh, my calculator here and I'm going to bust out a post-it note to go along with it. So let's say, you know what, we want to keep our, our carb total here at 1,120 grams for the week, but let's cycle it a little bit. Let's have a couple of days. Let's say we've got legs twice a week. Let's hit 200 grams for those days. So we've got 400 now spoken for. So that leaves us with, oops, <laughs> 448,000 grams of carbs. Somebody hit a wrong button there. Um, minus, not multiply. Um, that leaves us with 720. So we're going to have a rest day. We're going to make that a low day. So instead of 160, we're going to bring that way down. We're going to make that 100. So... Um, now we're down to 620. So we've we've spoken for our one rest day for our two leg days. So we've got four days left with 620 grams of carbs. So now those are going to come in at 155. So just by virtue of saying, hey, you know what? I've got a non-lifting day. I'm going to make my carbs lower on that day. I'm doing less. I don't need big pre and post workout carb meals. I'm still going to have some carbs, but I'm going to knock them way down. Um, you've bought yourself. Um, higher leg days. So we're able to bump up our leg day carbs by 40 
on each of those days. And our typical training days, the only impact there is we're five grams less, 155 instead of 160. So that is about, um, the, the concept there is about catering, catering your intake to your output. Um, some people respond really well to that. Some people, it, it's harder, it's more to track, it's more to manage, and they don't like it, which... That, you know, sometimes whether you like it or not doesn't matter. It's how does your body respond to it. Um, it almost invariably people respond. People's bodies will respond really well to this, and so it's kind of nice to have a higher carb day thrown in there um, or two. Um, you can manage it that way. So as long as your your weekly intake is the same, what happens each day matters less. Now, I would not have a rest day where you take in 1,120 grams of carbs and then go keto zero the rest of the days. That would be dumb. So yeah, there are extremes that you can do that are stupid and things that you can do that are, are nonsensical and just don't get you anywhere close to where you need to be as far as the end goal. So, um, But catering your carb intake to your output levels, um, if, uh, you know, if you're back is a weak spot and, um, you, you want to try and preserve as much muscle as possible there. Um, I would think about, you know, changing up a couple things with your back day. Let's say your legs are overpowering the rest of your body. You don't need more carbs on leg days. You know, you're only hitting one leg day a week anyway, but we're going to hit back twice a week and boy, it's really got to come up. Um, you know, it's difficult for it to come up when you're on prep, but Hey, we're on cycle. Anything could happen, right? Who knows? So let's say we want to go hog wild there. And of our 1120 grams of carbs, we're going to bring, um, we're actually going to bring our, uh, oops, there we go. Um, we're going to bring our carbs up to 260 for those back days. So we're going to say minus 260, and we're hitting it twice, so we're going to do it again. Now we're down to 600. We're, we're down to 600 grams of carbs for the rest of the week. So we've got our off day. You know, we're hardcore. We're going to go ketosis on our one rest day. So we're going to only hit 35 grams of carbs that day. So just some, some veggies and trace carbs from other things. That's it. So that's 565 now. Um, and so that's for the remainder of our four training days. We're not worried about extra carbs on leg days, so we're good there. So we'll just divide that by four. Now we're at 140. So, you know, we started at 160. We gave ourselves two big, huge carb days for our back workouts because we really need to bring up back. We go in keto for the rest day. And then, you know, our, our typical daily carbs are still at 140. So it's not too bad. It's not too bad, right? Um, so, and that's in line with 140 grams of protein, 70 grams of fat. So you can see there are a lot of ways that you can play with this. And then the, the goal is as you progress through prep, you've got to find ways to turn the temperature up a little bit. So, you know, with, with, uh, a, a woman at this weight to have your protein, uh, just at, uh, I'm sorry, to have your fats at, um, one half your protein intake. That's pretty high. So that's 70 grams of fat. There's a lot of room where we can bring that down. And so, you know, we can just do it at 70 here. Maybe after a week, we drop it to 65. Maybe we let it sit there for a little bit. Maybe after a couple more weeks, we drop it down to 55. You know, dietary fats are one of those things. And you will find if you really dig deep online, you'll find a lot of contest prep diets um, from people who will go through their entire prep with like 15 grams of fat per day. And that's it. Um, that is a really unhealthy way to do it. So the two things you need to exist, protein and fat, you don't need carbs to exist. Um, but your body, um, <laughs> there, there are such things as fat soluble vitamins, A, D, E, and K. If you don't bring in sufficient dietary fats, your uptake of those vitamins will be deficient. 
um, you will become vitamin deficient in those, and that is a bad thing. So that will that those are severe health concerns. So having dietary fat that low, can you get lean that way? Yeah, and that's going to make room for more protein and more carbs as well. That's more of a fun way to diet. Most people, you know, they don't get as much joy out of dietary fats as they do carbs, and they know that protein's got to come along with the uh, got to come with the territory. So like, just take my fats down to nothing. I don't care. Unhealthy unhealthy way to do it. Um, for a woman, I would never drop below 30 grams of fat. Um, for a typical guy, I, I wouldn't really drop below 40. Th those baselines are pretty maintainable. Um, you'll still have reasonable overall health at those levels, but even then, I wouldn't run the entire prep at those levels. Like towards the end, sure. Um, but you've, you've got to be mindful of your overall health when you're doing this as well. Um, so you you will see, you know, that's where you'll really see it, like skin, hair, and nails. Um, you'll see it in your face as well. Um, so you, you can tell when somebody's on a low-fat diet just by looking at them a little bit. It looks like they've kind of just been dug out of the ground. So, <laughs> um, But really, it, it, I don't want to undersell it, but conceptually, big picture, without getting into the specifics for how to treat one person versus another, um, that's what it comes down to is finding a way to, you know, just – change variables slowly over time, avoid big changes. You know, if you look back on my prep, um, the, the most significant change I had was like 20 grams of carbs here and there. I think one week my fats changed by 10, um, protein never dropped by more than five or so in a given week. And it didn't really change much throughout the whole prep anyway. Um, so you, if, if you wanted to really take the simple approach, you can just say, all right, I'm, I'm starting prep at 140 pounds. I'm going with one gram per pound of body weight. I'm just going to leave my protein intake up there um, and not drop it. So like as you drop down to 130 pounds, leave your protein up at 140. Don't adjust it. Um, carbs, play around with those. Fats, you can play around with those. Carbs, you can cycle those and think about the days when you want more or less. Um, and always we're focusing on performance there, um, performance and recovery. So think about when you've got the, the hardest days uh, or, or when you need to have your best days and throw more carbs in there. And then fats are something that, you know, I, I, if you wanted to really, really like put a, a really numerical formulaic approach on it. I don't do this, but if you wanted something to like help you as a guide, you can say, okay, well I'm starting at 70 grams of fat here. Darren says I can go as low as 30. So that's a drop of 40, which could be eight drops of five grams each, which means every two weeks I can drop my fats by five grams. Okay, cool. So you can kind of plug that in and just bake that formula into the cake. Um, protein stays steady. Fats, we're going to drop by five grams every two weeks. And then knowing that, then the only real variable that you've got left to play around with is carbs and cardio. Um, so carbs, you can adjust those starting at 160 is pretty good. You know, it's very common to end up with, you know, no carbs towards the end. Um, not usually how I like to run it unless it becomes necessary. Um, and then cardio, um, I would really encourage people to top out at 45 minutes for an individual cardio session. Beyond that, I think it becomes a little a little useless. Um, but you can knock out, you know, between 30 and 40 minutes in one session and uh, maybe then start to throw in an occasional 15 minutes post-workout if, if it becomes necessary. And I'm talking like for the last half of prep. Um, 
and then those can that that can go up as well um and you can play around different intensities like hit a harder intensity first thing in the morning and then just you know a little bit more moderate post workout um be mindful also of how your overall calories are tracking so if our numbers right here are 140 160 70 Let's say, you know, we keep the protein steady. Let's say we keep our carbs steady. Let's just drop our fats down to that hypothetical 30. Now, suddenly our calories are down to 1370, which, okay, it's kind of lowish, kind of lowish. Now, let's say over time also we've dropped our carbs down to 100. Um, well, now we're at 1130 calories. Now we're in a danger zone where this is not necessarily a good thing. So um, I, I would say your, your typical floor, like I wouldn't want anybody necessarily lower than 1200 calories unless there's a really, really good reason for it. Um, if you can't lose at 1200 calories, you're probably not going to lose at 1100 calories either. Um, you're, you're metabolically stuck at that point. You've got to do something to wake yourself up. Um, one quick word on cheat meals as well. Um, cheat meals should be totally determined by training intensity. Um, like you, a cheat meal to, to put a point on it, it's something that your body has to need in order for it to be biologically productive, physiologically productive. Now it can be mentally productive and that can be the difference between you finishing prep and not finishing prep. Okay, great. We want you to finish. Um, but if you take them when you don't physiologically need it, um, then, uh, you know, you're, you're going to slow down your progress. You, you will slow things down. So, um, it's driven by workout intensity. If you are on fire with your workout intensity, you're running a good deficit, you're hitting your cardio hard, um, you're feeling a little bit flat throughout the week, boy, that cheat meal is going to save your ass. It will be the thing that pulls you out of the fire. So um, if your training intensity is on point, um, then yeah, yeah, hit it. Hit it once a week. Absolutely. No issues with that. If you're not sure if your training intensity is on point, it isn't. So you don't necessarily get that, <laughs> which means work harder. And, uh, you know, at, at this point, if you're ready to jump into prep, um, my, my philosophy is we shouldn't really be wondering about workout intensity. Like if we're going to have a successful prep, we're going to know your workout intensity is on point before we start it. So um, it's one of the big reasons why I'm always harping on and on and on about um, video feedback from clients. I need to see what your workout intensity is like because that's going to determine a lot about how we diet and the extra things like cheat meals that we bring in. Um, so, you know, if, if you're really crushing it in the gym um, and you're running a deficit, that's going to be your refueling for the week. So um, so that's about it. Uh, you know, it, it doesn't have to be super complicated, but, you know, again, this is all just very general, big picture stuff, like you know, population-based strategies rather than individual strategies on how to prep. But if if affording a coach isn't in your budget, and you're like, I don't need a coach, I can do this. Cool. I mean, more power to you. Try it. As a coach, I can't. I can't coach myself. It just doesn't. That's why I have my own. Um, I can't do it. I've tried. I've I've coached myself into a show before, uh, didn't come out with looking the way that I wanted to. It was hard. <laughs> it's really, really hard. And, that, and part of it is, you know, I, I, uh, selling myself short here a little bit. I know enough to be dangerous and, uh, I definitely overthink things a little bit. And it's a lot easier for me to hand the reins over to a competent coach that I trust, like the one that I have now and, uh, let her make decisions. Um, tell me what to do. And I'm going to worry about my client base and what they need to be doing. So, um, there's kind of a coaching food chain in that way. <laughs> so hopefully this was helpful to you. So, um, we'll be back next week. Um, the schedule might be a little bit weird next week. I don't know. I'm still planning on Monday, Friday, but we'll see how it goes. 
goes. So um, in the meantime, the phone lines are always open, 865-518-2974. Call in with your questions. Um, we'll do another Q&A raffle giveaway coming up very soon. So if you call now, um, I will go ahead and say that um, starting today, any um, and Aaron, I'll include you in on this as well because you actually led the charge for um, for this entire two-part discussion and your uh, message that went in today. So um, I'm going to actually put your name on a post-it note right now to enter into this. So we'll do a drawing you know, either into next week or maybe going into New Year. So um, it's back open though. So uh, a raffle giveaway for anything from the Five Star Physique apparel shop of your choice. Um, so Aaron C., your, your, your name is in the hat, Aaron. So um, call in. Leave your messages. Let's do some Q&A stuff, and uh, we'll do a raffle starting right now. So everybody have a fantastic weekend. I'll check in with you before Christmas, and uh, we'll see how things are coming up.